Oh, you have to flip the switch. I'm sorry. How about now? There we go. Okay. Sorry about that, Ellen. I always forget. All right. Well, good morning again. If you've got your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to take them and turn over to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're going to be over there in just a moment. Um, I tell you what, we had a good time. Did anybody have a chance to go out and make it to the parade last night? It was so good. Did you see the east side bus go by? There were a few of us in there trying to throw candy at you. Uh, but anyway, we had a good time. I'm glad that, uh, glad, glad, glad Snyder loves Christmas. I'll tell you what, I love this time of year. Amen? I really do. Um, over the, the last few weeks, we started a, a brand new series uh, a few weeks ago. And if you, if you notice the, the building blocks over here to my left, we started this new series called Bodybuilding. And I kind of wanted to just have a few family conversations about some topics about building up the body of Christ here at the very end of the year uh, before we get into 2023. But, but over the last few weeks, we've been talking about this, this idea of building up the body of Christ. And we said that if, if we want to build up the body of Christ, if you look down at the bottom, it's kind of hard to see, but the first letter is the letter D. And we said that we have to first decide that the time that we have is not our time. And the reason why I put that one at the bottom in number one, it's kind of a foundational principle for everything else that we're going to be talking about in this series, is because that's the number one problem that you and I have as Americans, is that we are very busy. We're too busy. Amen? We're too busy for our family. We're too busy for our friends. We're too busy for church. We're too busy for God's kingdom. So the first thing we've got to do is we have to decide that the time that we have is borrowed time. It doesn't belong to us. And then not only when you decide that, that your time is not your own, we also, we also ask you, number two, to labor with us. We said, listen, we want you to, to join the work that we're doing here at the Eastside Church of Christ. And I'm so thankful because over the last three weeks, there have been at least, what, elders, three, four Three or four or five people that have come forward and said, listen, I've heard the message. I feel the stirring of the Spirit. I want to be involved in something new uh, that's going on here at Eastside. So there's at least three or four people that are plugging in and doing new stuff, and we are so thankful for that. The third thing we talked about is investing in somebody. You know, a lot of us can tell stories about time when people have invested in us. It's the same thing. God has called you to take the things you've been through, experiences you've gone through, your testimony, and to disciple and mentor and invest in somebody else. And then if you remember, we said we also need to have uh, the blessing of just having uninhibited worship. And that's one thing that I'm so thankful for at the Eastside Church of Christ is that we have uninhibited worship here. We want to make sure that the Holy Spirit has His proper place in our body. Amen? And then finally we said that lastly, we just want you to be a part of the body. Don't be one of those Christians that come in and just likes to fly under the radar, sit in the back. I'm not picking on the ones that actually are sitting in the back. Uh, but, but, you know, don't be a, a pew warmer, but come in and plug in. Really just be a part of the body here at the Eastside Church of Christ. Now, for this week, I'm going to jump on a different topic that's very related, but very, very important. And it's simply this. If we want to see... God, build up the body of Christ here at the Eastside Church of Christ, then I'm going to make the recommendation that if we want that, if we truly, truly want that, then we are going to have to get real. We're going to have to get real. Now you say, Tim, what do you mean by that? What I mean is, is that when you take a step back, now I'm going to paint a very broad brush stroke here, but I've been in ministry for over 20 years. And I've had a lot of good experiences and I've had a whole lot of bad experiences. 
But if there's one thing that I've seen, if, if again, I'm not, I'm not trying to be specific, but I'm, I'm just painting with a, a very broad brush. I believe that in a reflection of our, our brand-crazy, uh, materialistic, uh, consumer-driven, politicized, and, and polarized culture, that by and large, the American church has become a mere plastic version of what it was supposed to be 2,000 years ago. Now, I know that that's a strong statement. I realize that. But I believe it with all of my heart that we as an American church are not where we need to be. I think that's why we're seeing a lot of the struggles that we're seeing in the world. I think that's why America is experiencing a lot of the struggles that we're experiencing. I think that's why the church is in such a rapid decline. It's because we have not been where we need to be as a church. And I'll tell you something. As people of the restoration movement, that should bother us. Because modern churches have meetings, but no meat. We have teachings, but no truth. We've got faith with no foundation and activities without authenticity. And so often, here's what I see when it comes to people who meet on Sunday mornings. And so often like Christ, we love Christ. We like to talk about Jesus. We love to hear about Christ. We love to hear sermons about Christ. We love to pray and worship and sing songs about Christ. But so few of us want to put the work into it that it takes to become Christ-like. There's a difference between sitting around and worshiping God and, and saying, I love Christ, and actually taking the time to be His disciple to become Christ-like. You know why we have a problem with that? Number one problem. We have a hard time being vulnerable. We don't like to be vulnerable. We, and, and because to be vulnerable, it calls us to open up our hearts. It calls us to becoming vulnerable and, and to being open to, to somebody else. And this, of course, is, is nothing new. You think about Jesus. When He talked to the people in the first century, did He struggle with people not willing to be open, transparent, with those that were not willing to get real with themselves? Sure He did. I think about the Pharisees. There were two big statements that Jesus said to the Pharisees. I never will forget them. The first one He says is this. He says, let me tell you what you guys are like, you religious people. He says, you guys are like people that take a cup and you wash the outside of the cup and you get it clean and you hold that cup up and it looks great on the outside. But then you turn that cup sideways and you look inside and what do you see? On the inside, it's dirty. He made another illustration one time. He says, it's kind of like this. He says, you know what? The, the modern church, his day. The modern synagogue, his day. The religious leaders, he said, here's what it's like. It's like whitewashed tombs. He says, here you've got a tomb, you've taken your paint, you've painted it all up, you've made it look beautiful, you've decorated it on the outside, but if you take that lid off and you look on the inside of that thing, what are you going to see? Dead men's bones. Church, I want to say this, the greatest fear that you probably have right now sitting in that pew, because I know, because I've been there, is to get real. And listen, I'm going to tell you, church, I want to be very blunt, if you want to get well, then you have to get real. If you want to get well, you have to first get real. No more playing games. No more playing church. No more sitting on the fence. No more, maybe I'll deal with it later. No more, maybe I'll, I'll be serious about church in another season of my life. No more, maybe next year I'll sign up and do something because right now I'm too busy doing my own thing. No, it's about authentically seeking Christ. And I'll tell you something, whenever you hear the call of the Lord, and it's happening right now from this pulpit, when you hear the call of the Lord, it is a call to start right now, to be real. Paul dealt with this time and time again. I want you to take your Bibles, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and I want you to follow along with me this morning. Paul is writing to the church here in Thessalonica, 
And he says this, starting in verse 1. He said, You know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know. But with the help of our God, we dared tell you the gospel in the face of strong opposition. For the appeal that we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We're not trying to please people, but God, who tests our hearts. You know that we never use flattery. We didn't put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else. Even though as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. Instead, we were like young children among you. Now, I love what Paul is saying. He says, you know, when we came to you, we came to you as authentic as we possibly could. We didn't use flattering words. We didn't have any motives, no behind-the-scenes things that we were trying to coerce you into. We weren't wearing a mask. We weren't hiding our, our, our real intentions. We were just simply trying to be as real as possible. You know, we weren't trying to be somebody we were not. We weren't lying to you. We, we were just trying to be real. And the reason why Paul approaches ministry like this is because he knows that in order to get well, you have to first get real. And he modeled that with people. He says, I just wanted to be me. I just wanted you to see Paul. I want you to understand that I've been where you've been. I, I, I used to be a different person too, and now, and now I'm in the same boat as you. And so he's, he's, he's wanting them to know that, that they don't have to, um, that, that you don't have to wear a mask. You can be real with one another because Christ changes things. And here's what the, the, the problem is. We like to present ourselves as fine all the time. We wear fine clothes. We use fine words. Um, but why? Because we live in fear. We live in fear because we don't want other people to see what's going on on the inside of us. A lot of times we're struggling with things and we don't want other people to know about it or we have a reputation that we feel like we need to maintain and we have this idea that I'm just going to work on it on myself and I'll eventually get there, but I'm going to put on this mask and this facade for everybody else so that they see me the way that I want them to see me. Now, am I the only one in this room that's ever struggled with that? Listen, understand this. That when you hold on to secrets, when you hold on to sin, and I don't even care if your intention is to just work on it yourself, if you hold on to those things and you do not bring them out into the light of day and you don't confess and talk to somebody else, I promise you that stuff will eat you up on the inside. It'll keep you from being who God created you to be and it'll keep a body, a church, from being built up in the Lord. Because you have to get well before you get real. So church, listen this morning. I'm going to challenge us this morning to get real. And I'm not just talking about myself. I'm talking about our elders. I'm talking about our deacons. I'm talking about our youth minister. I'm talking about all of us together. I want us as a congregation to be real with each other, to make a decision that we're going to be honest and transparent and real with one another. Because let me tell you something. When we get real with each other, the people out there in this community, they absolutely take notice. Because they can smell fake a mile away. They can, smell, they, they can see that fake church smile a mile away. You, you, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? 
There's people out there in this community that won't step foot near a Christian or a church because they have seen and witnessed so much hypocrisy, so much fakeness, and so many people wearing masks. That's not going to be this church. We're going to take it off. So what I want to do is I want to talk about this idea of getting real because Paul dealt with this all the time in his ministry. I want you to think about this. i got a few things I want to share with you this morning. Let me pull this up here. When a church gets real, first of all, number one, when a church decides to get real, they become open to correction. If you're going to get real with God, you have to be receptive to correction. Look at this passage, Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. It says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. In other words, he says, you know what? He says, you've got to be open to being admonished sometimes. You've got to be open to being called out every now and then. Not in an ugly way. The Bible says that he who is with sin, that if someone's been caught in the sin, let he who is spiritual come along and restore such a one. But be careful, right? It says here, he says, in other words, he says, you've got to be open to being admonished and helping each other. And sometimes you've got to correct each other. If you're not living the Jesus lifestyle, you need to be open to the fact that somebody might, because we're in a church, needs to come and lovingly come alongside of you and say, hey, listen, I know you're trying to live the right life, but here's something that I'm seeing And out of love, I want you to know this. We've lost that in church. Because for some reason, if I come to Craig and I see Craig's doing something wrong that he shouldn't be doing, and I lovingly come to him, we get offended. Well, I ain't going to that church no more. That person just... I'm not saying... Craig, thank you for repenting last week. You did a good... No, I'm kidding. No, I'm I'm teasing Craig. I'm teasing Craig. I remember when I was a young Christian. I had a problem with my mouth. Now, I'm glad that I'm not the only one that had that problem. But when I was a young Christian, I had a real bad problem with my mouth. Now, one of the first things that I was able to let go of was cussing. I don't know why. I cussed like crazy when I was a kid, but when I became a Christian, I knew that I had to clean my language up. So I cleaned up. I stopped dropping F-bombs and everything else. But you know where I, where I was really a, a struggle? I had a mouth like you wouldn't believe when it, term, when it came to... Um, what's the term? What, my wife could probably fill in the blank here. Being sarcastic, belittling... Uh, minimizing other people, that type of thing. I, I was real bad about that. And I remember one time early on, I was in my, I was in my 20s, and I had a spiritual mentor come to me. And, they, and, and just like the Bible, they were loving. They were, not, you know, um, they were not confrontational. But I knew that they loved me. I knew that this person wanted to address something. And because I loved that person, I was willing to listen, Right? And they said, listen, I don't know if you realize this, but the way you talk to people, like it hurts people's feelings. And I had not realized it before. And so I had to change. Now that's just learning how to take correction. But see, the problem is a lot of times we don't want to take correction. We want to get bold. We want to get arrogant. We want to throw it back in their face. How dare you say something to me? Let me tell you something. Let me point something out about you, right? Isn't that what we do? And then we have the the church F word. And you've heard me talk about the church F word, right? The the church F word. I remember remember, um, 
This idea, you know, you, 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 uh, you, you walk around with this mask on and you've got things going on inside of you, but you don't want people to know. And so you show up on Sunday morning and inevitably, what's the number one thing that we always ask each other every Sunday? Hey, brother, how are you? And what is our pat response every time, typically? Fine, that's the church F word, okay? Because I don't care. You, you, could, have, you could have somebody, you know, you just found out that you've got cancer or you're struggling with addiction or you, you've been uh, arguing with your wife back at home or you're something going on with your kid. There's stuff going on all the time. And instead of getting out and talking about it, being transparent, having people come alongside, alongside you, walk with you, your struggles and, and, and problems, we just say, I'm fine, and we head out over to Cielo or whatever. <laughs> all right? Man, some people don't like to be corrected. That's pride. And that kind of pride will keep you from having a close connection with God. It always does. Let me tell you this one more time. We cannot be deeply connected to God until we have been deeply corrected by God. And when those times come, and he says, I want you to change your ways, we have to be willing to be open to that kind of correction. I heard a mentor one time say to me a long time ago, he said, um, he said, you know, people come to God one of two ways. He said, either they come to God through humility or through pain. But the problem is, is that most of us are not humble. And so what does God do? If we're not willing to be open with ourselves, if we're not willing to receive correction from our brothers and sisters, then we will receive correction from the Lord at some point. And He will allow things in your life. He will allow difficulties. He will allow consequences. He will allow things in your life that will give you wake-up calls. Because why? Because you weren't willing to listen to your brother and sister at church. Because He loves you enough to not let you keep on living in that sin, living with that struggle, living with that pain, and not doing something about it. So going back to number one, is that we have to be willing to be corrected. Number two this morning. Secondly, when a church gets real, you become eager for a connection. Not only do you have to be receptive to correction, but we have to be eager for connection. Look at this passage from Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. In other words, Paul says, as a church... You need to be eagerly all about making sure that you're carrying the load of one another. Carry each other's burdens. Now, I don't know what it is about churches when, when sometimes the, the very last thing that we want to do is have some type of connection with somebody else. It seems like we can have connections outside the church all day long. And we can have a, a, a meet-up group for fly fishing or whatever, and we can have all kinds of camaraderie there. But when it comes to churches, it seems like a lot of times we have a hard time getting to know people, and breaking down the barriers with one another. It's like I'm afraid of, you know, that if I get into this group or if I go to that Bible class, I may have to share this part of my life and I'm afraid of what people might think of me or I'm afraid of what people might really see about me. Understand this. Paul says, you know what? You're not an island to yourself. There's no such thing as a lone ranger Christian. And you don't have the strength to be able to carry all the burdens that Satan puts on your back. And so you have to have other people to do life with you, to do spiritual warfare with you. Paul says, I want you to help carry one another's burdens. That's what Christ did for you, didn't he? Aren't you glad you don't have to carry those burdens today? 
Well, guess what? We're supposed to carry each other's burdens as well. If you want your spiritual flame to burn out, let me tell you how to do it. Stop showing up to church. Stop going to Bible class. Stop spending time with your spiritual friends. Don't participate in, in things that, uh, that God is doing around you in your life. And eventually, as you begin to isolate yourself, slowly you will watch your spiritual flame burn out. We need to be deeply connected toward one another. And then thirdly this morning, let me get it to work up here. Thirdly this morning, if we're going to get real as a church and as individuals, we need to practice this. We need to practice in our lives authentic confession. Authentic confession. Um, a moment ago, I talked to you about the, the church F word. I was just kind of being a little bit tongue-in-cheek there. But if you remember, James, the brother of John, said this, or James, the brother of Jesus, in James chapter 5, verse 16, he said this. He says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that, what? You may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. He says, you know what you need to do is you need to practice authentic confession. You need to be transparent with one, with one another. Where somebody comes along and they say, you know what, I'm struggling right now. I need help. And then your brother and your sister can look at you instead of with eyes of judgment, which is what we all fear, but if we all decided to get real, then somebody would have the freedom to be able to come up and say, hey, you know what? I'm struggling. I need help. And, and, and you know what that's going to do? That's going to free up other people to look at you and say, hey, you know what? I struggle with that too. I'm going to help you. I'll get together with you. Or there may be somebody in this room right now who's been holding on to something in their life, holding on to sin. Let me tell you something. How incredible would it be if you, as an older person, Go ahead and let it go today. And then your example by you standing up and saying, I'm struggling with this. I've been struggling with this for the last several years. I don't even know what to deal with it. But I want to get, I want to get real. I want to handle this right now. How would that impact younger generations that would look at the older generations and say, wow, they struggle too? Maybe I have hope. Maybe somebody can help show me the way through my struggles. I think so many times, you know, we sing an invitation song. We sing it every Sunday. And people want to come forward. Don't think I don't see it. I see it up here. I'm not saying anybody in this room, but I remember one time I was given an invitation, and I watched this guy like three weeks in a row, and I almost did just as I am all 18 verses one time, just so I can get him up here. But he was holding the back of that you so hard don't be that way can I be honest with you I'm a sinner too man I struggle all the time I'm not prideful I'm not going, I'm not going to sit there and say I'm better than you I'm not but I'm willing to work with you I'm willing to walk with you I'm willing to confess my faults to you are you willing to confess your faults to me because we got to do this thing together guys I think so many times we sing that invitation and, and we don't want to ask for prayers because we're so afraid of becoming known, becoming vulnerable. Don't be. Because again, we need men and women who are willing to stand up and be brave and say, you know what, I'm a sinner too, but I'm going to put it out there because I need healing. I need what the book of James says. I'm going to go ahead and confess this thing because it says the prayer of a righteous is powerful and effective and it brings healing. And that's what my heart needs is healing. 
Folks, God is calling this church to something different. God is calling this church to be real, to be authentic. He's calling us to be something different than what is the status quo with so many congregations in America. So why is it important? It's important because it gives hope to somebody else that you don't quit, that you don't give up, that you don't give in, and that is powerful and effective. And then finally this morning, if we're going to be a church that decides that we're going to build up God's kingdom, that we're going to be builders of God's kingdom instead of destroyers, then we need this. We need to learn to live contently. Learn to live contently in everything. I love this verse here in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. The Bible says, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. How simple of a calling is that? That says, you know what, if you're going to build up God's kingdom, if you're going to be authentic, if you're going to be real, one of the things that you're, that's going to get in your way is that you will be tempted at times to love things more than God. To love things more than people. And here's the thing, if you're not content in your life as a Christian, you will never be able to help build up the body here because you're too busy trying to build up your own body. You're too busy trying to build up your own kingdom. That's why we said at the beginning that the first thing that we're going to have to decide is that our time is not our time. But for so many Christians, for so many people, for, for, all, for, for a lot of people, work and the love of money is more important. They don't have time for God. They don't have time for their families. And they don't have time for church. And so for many people, it becomes the love of money. It becomes wanting more of this, wanting more of that, desiring something else more than God. That's basically what this verse boils down to. But what is the very first commandment in the Bible? You will have no other gods before me. None. Not the God of money, not the God of materialism, not the God of consumerism, not any of that. You will have no other gods before me. We must learn to be content. So if you want to get well... And we have to get real this morning. So right now as we get ready to, to sing this invitation song, and elders, if elders wise, if you want to get up and uh, come out to the side, you can come and pray. Uh, we're going to offer this invitation. But maybe there's somebody in here this morning that says, you know what, I'm, I want to be authentic. I want to be real. And I'm going to lead by example. Because there were some things that happened in my life over the last couple of days that really stirred up some stuff in me that I know that I need prayer for. So I'm going to be the first person, if you don't mind, to respond to that invitation as we stand and as we sing.